this is the Son of God. This is God incarnate. And he's talking about who he is, the realities of life. How many of you know that God, what God says about reality is reality? God's laws are a description of the way the world really is. We can't break them. We can just break ourselves against them. And so Jesus is laying out everything here. And um, somebody is listening to Jesus, and I guess maybe it's a couple of brothers in the crowd. We only hear one brother speak, but he looks at his brother who he has a dispute with, a financial dispute, and he's like, I'm telling Jesus on you. So, someone from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Friend, Jesus said to him, who appointed me a judge or arbitrator over you? Jesus is like, I am... This is like midst of outdoor church service, thousands of people, and some siblings want to pull him into an argument. <laughs> Jesus is like, negatory ghost rider. I don't think we're going to do that right now. And so the friend is trying to make an example of, of his brother right in front of thousands of people. Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus says to him, hey, listen, who made me arbitrator over you in this situation? And then it says, Jesus said to them, so if you picture this, I, I picture it like this. A guy walks up to Jesus, tell my brother to divide the inheritance. Jesus said, listen, that's not why I'm here today. But while you're here, arm around his shoulders. Hey, everybody, watch out and be on guard against all greed. Because one's life is not in the abundance of his possessions. And the way it plays out in my mind is the guy's like, yeah, watch out on greed. Are you talking about me? I'm not greedy. My brother's greedy. The one who won't give me what I need, the one who won't give me what's coming to me, he's greedy. I'm not greedy. Here's the thing about what Jesus says about our life's purpose and material things and money. The things that he says are really easy to acknowledge. It's just hard to see that they might ever actually apply to us. Greed is easy to see in somebody else. But it's really hard to know whenever we've crossed a line from being responsible to being just so tensed up and anxious about getting ours, whatever that is, whether that's guarding your time to an obsessive degree, refusing to share your life with someone, refusing to share your gifts with someone, refusing to share your money. What he says can be easy to acknowledge in general, but hard to believe it could ever apply to us. Any of you guys ever read any of Tim Keller? counterfeit gods, reason for God, anything Tim Keller writes is worthwhile reading if you're a college student. And um, so here's something Tim Keller says about greed. He says this, some years ago, I was doing a seven-part series of talks on the seven deadly sins at a men's breakfast. My wife, Kathy, told me, I'll bet that the week you deal with greed will be the lowest attendance. She was right. People packed it out for lust and wrath and even for pride, but nobody thinks they are greedy. Next slide. As a pastor, I've had people come to me and confess that they struggle with almost every kind of sin. Almost. I cannot recall anyone ever coming to me and saying, I spend too much money on myself. I think my greedy lust for money is harming my family, my soul, and people around me. Greed hides itself from the victim. The money God's modus operandi includes blindness to your own heart. So that's the thing about about greed and lack of generosity. If it's there in your heart, it's, we're, we're blind to it. We really are. My wife and I just have sort of this saying that, that we throw back and forth whenever we know we're getting too like, focused on things. We'll see some sort of house that we want or some sort of car, and one of us will look at the other and say, baby, if we had that, all of our problems would go away. 
Sometimes we don't say it, but we live our lives as if it's true, right? If I could get here, all of my problems would go away. If I could have this, if I could have them, which you guys were just talking about for a few weeks in the relationship series, all of my problems would go away. According to Jesus, he's telling this guy, listen, you could get everything that you have ever wanted in life and still completely miss the point. That's really hard to believe. It's especially hard to believe if maybe you're a first-generation college student, veteran of many trailers, like me, living off of student loans. If you're really having a hard time getting by, it's really hard to believe what Jesus is saying, that if you could get to a certain point financially or have certain things, all of your problems wouldn't disappear. So Jesus goes on and tells a story. He told them a parable, verse 16. A rich man's land was very productive. That's important. So he's already rich, and then his land is very productive. He thought to himself, what should I do since I don't have anywhere to store my crops? I will do this, he said. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones and store all of my grain and my goods there. Then I'll say to myself, you have many goods stored up for many years. Take it easy, eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. Why not? The dude has obviously been prudent, started at the bottom, now he's here from the root to the fruit. I mean, life is good. He says, I'm done. I'm checking out. I'm retiring at 38. I'm living the dream. I'm done. Why did Jesus have a problem with that? Why would Jesus go on in his next sentence and say, oh, you fool, that God would say to him, you fool. Let's reread this passage with emphasis on all these points, right? He thought to himself, what should I, if you say this British, it sounds, the Brits are extra stingy, right? He thought to himself, what should I do since I don't have anywhere to store my crops? I will do this, he said. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones and store all of my grains and my goods there. And then I'll say to myself, you, and by you, I mean me, have many goods stored up for many years. Take it easy, eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. This guy in the parable loves him some him. He loves him some him. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? There's so much in in this guy's life that is obviously right. He's not looking to like go on a massive shopping spree and blow it all. It doesn't say he's going to buy three more houses and blow it all. In fact, he's just saying, I'm going to save it. I'm going to live light, but I'm going to live long. Because you can either live like a prince forever or a king for a day. He's like, I'm going to live like a prince forever. But nowhere in here is there mention of anything such as thankfulness to God. Lord, I can't believe what you've done for me. I can't believe. And that's where God says, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded of you. Jesus goes on and says, that's how it's going to be for the one who stores up treasure for himself. And is not rich toward God. That's how it's going to be for the one who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. At the very point where we acknowledge that there really is a God in the universe. Certainly if, you, certainly if you're a Christian and you're already following Jesus. We have to understand that Jesus said more about money and possessions than he even did heaven or hell. And yet none of us thinks we struggle with money and possessions. Right? And so, but the moment we acknowledge that Jesus says all that, we, we have to open our lives to him and say, what do you want from me? 
anything you want. The moment we acknowledge that there's a God of the universe, we have to start thinking in terms of he might want something of his creation. Now, granted, if you don't believe that there's God at all, you have no real interest in it, you're just here because friends are nice to you and they invited, well, it's really hard to justify living any sort of way other than kind of for yourself. I mean, you can believe that nice people do nice things, but ultimately, who is anyone to tell you, hey, you shouldn't live only for, only for yourself? The point is, Jesus is saying, is that we will all stand before God. He's telling this guy who thinks that all his problems would go away if his brother would give him the inheritance. Jesus is saying, hey, your life isn't wrapped up in what you have. Your life isn't about the abundance of your possessions. So that's why Jesus is always saying things like it's better to give than to receive. But this isn't just a deal where it's like we flog ourselves about our selfishness. Jesus, I bought too many Frappuccinos this week. Next week, I'll at least take one to someone I work with, something. I I need to be a less selfish person. It actually goes even deeper than that. So if we look in Philippians chapter 2, Paul is writing here, and he says, everyone should look out not only for his own interest, but also to the interest of others. That's general kindness, and that is generally true. But the reason, as a Christian, we should do that, and that people should be able to look at us, they should be able to see us on spring break going to Victoria, Texas, not forgetting that just because the hurricane's not in the news every day, there are towns and cities that are wrecked, there are people who are still sleeping on the floor, there are people whose lives are still upside down, and some students from Angelo State University are saying, I haven't forgotten of you. Because God hasn't forgotten about you, and you're going to give of your time, of yourself. And the reason that you do that is not just generally because it's nice to be nice and good, but but you're doing it because we have a Lord that modeled giving everything to us. So Paul says, make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his advantage. In other words, on the heavenly most mind-blowing of levels, Jesus had all the things. Everything, he, he had created everything, it was all his. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a slave, taking on the likeness of men, And when he had come as a man in his external form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. You talk about radical generosity to look at you and to look at me, to look at a whole world that was at that time, all that had gone before and all the people who would be. Scripture says everything was created through Jesus, by Jesus, for Jesus. And he says it is hopelessly broken. You were hopelessly messed up while we were yet sinners. Jesus said, I want you so much. And he came down and he died for us. And the point Jesus is making, even though it's slightly in the future at this time, this is the very character of the God who created you. You owe him your life. And he's saying, live differently. Live by different rules. Live in a different way. You guys are going to model that in Victoria. That's amazing. I'll tell you whenever it was modeled to me, and it took me some time for it to really hit home like what had happened. You know, I mentioned the cops setting me free that day. They didn't really set me free. The law was still on me. I still owed a deep debt. I didn't go to jail that day, but I was about to go to jail 
it was going to happen. And so I mentioned I was living with a friend's parents. I was living with Landon's parents. And so I'm sitting there in their house that night just talking about the day, and, and I'm so crushed, y'all, under, under debt, not knowing how I'm going to get out of it. I mean, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in trouble. And there was nothing I could do to get out of it. And I'm sitting there, grown man that I was, about to walk the stage at Angelo State, uh, pastoring a group, all that kind of stuff, me and Heath getting this party started. And I just started crying in their living room. I'm just like sobbing. I'm like, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I can't make enough tips at China Garden to pay this off anytime soon. I'm going to jail. And Landon's dad looks at me, and he goes, I'm going to pay that ticket for you. I was like, what? He said, I'm, I'm paying that ticket for you. I was like, you can't pay that ticket. I got it because I'm an idiot. He's like, no, I'm paying that ticket for you. He said, I help, I help people with all sorts of things. I can help you with that ticket. I'm taking care of that ticket for you. The man came in with his resources and covered my debt for the law, which was against me with its standards. I was rightfully in trouble. I was rightfully in debt. I deserve to go to jail. And this man's kindness out of his own resources gave to me to cover it and to set me free. We realize that's what Jesus has done with us, right? Do you? That there is nothing we could ever do to get out of the debt of sin that we're in? Like we are all dead to rights in the eyes of God. And if we're honest about ourselves and our own pridefulness and selfishness, can we not see what was in this brother and a million other things in our own lives? Of course that wouldn't be acceptable to God. And yet Jesus was willing to do whatever he had to do to make us acceptable. That is awesome sauce. It came home in a, in a, really, in a really deep way. And so Jesus, who, this model of generosity on the deepest level, he's saying, hey, for you, you be different. Your life does not consist in your stuff. And so I want to leave you with two points. If you want to write down just two things, God gives us two safeguards, two ways to get unstuck from myself. He asks us to live with two things. The first thing is, is gratitude. Gratitude. This guy has a, has a bumper crop. He's already filthy rich, and he gets even filthy richer, and he never says so much as a, as a thank you. And so God demands our worship, wants us to... Under, you know, G.K. Chesterton said this. He said, um, he said, kids wake up on Christmas morning. They see toys in their stockings, and they're grateful to somebody. He said, why, when I wake up in the morning, shouldn't I thank God for putting two feet in my stockings? G.K. Chesterton is like, even kids know they don't just have stuff, they were given stuff. G.K. Chesterton is saying down to the level of even simply being alive, we should be insanely grateful because we couldn't do that on our own. Romans talks about that being the height of arrogance and pride. I mean, we should know that this didn't all happen from nothing. That's worse than magic. At least with magic, you have a magician pulling the rabbit out. Jesus is saying, live with, live with gratitude. Live with gratitude. You know, one of the reasons we can be so stingy and, and refuse to give and be generous is because we're anxious. I mean, honestly, if you talk to me that day about, you know, going on spring break to Victoria, I mean, if I was leading that trip, if I was here, I would have been like, I don't know how I'm going to do it. gratitude. You know, anxiety, depression, fear, those are seeds that have a hard time taking root in a grateful heart. 
a grateful heart makes those things wither. When you wake up and you have things looming over you, but you start thanking God for what you have, here's what happens. You start seeing his goodness everywhere. When was the last time you walked across campus at Angelo State and you saw flowers and grass and you thought to yourself, Lord, I get to spend my days in a landscaped place with people who are trained just to help me learn and change my future. There are people in war-torn countries who are just trying not to die. God, thank you for this. I don't deserve to be here. Thank you for this. You look at your brothers and sisters in life group and you realize they love you on, on a deep level, on a level that, you know, maybe you've never experienced before. God, thank you for that. My whole life is not right, but I've got some people that really love me. Thank you for that. And when you start living with gratitude, you start seeing his goodness everywhere. One year, excuse me while I cough. One year, um, we was broke on Thanksgiving. We're living across the country. We know nobody. We can't visit family. And we have no turkey. My dad sent me a turkey in the mail. We were broke. And so we get this big, massive, beautiful turkey in the mail. And that sounds weird, but you know what I mean. They're refrigerator trucks. And it was this massive 15-pound beast of a turkey. Fantastic. So suddenly Thanksgiving is on. And so my wife and I are talking, like, we don't have family. What could we do? So we went across the street. There was this uh, Duke grad student across the street, and her husband works in the movie industry. He wasn't on any film or TV show at the time. And we said, you know, come on over for Thanksgiving dinner. They didn't share our beliefs, but we shared food. I mean, we, at the end of that day, I felt so incredibly rich. It was amazing. And I realized that I had actually quite a lot. I had enough to share. And the point is, with God, is that you always do. Because what you have, he has provided. And what you need, he will provide. So we can live with gratitude. And then lastly is we, we, we've got to be generous. We've got to be generous. You can be, you can be poor college student and generous. You can be Bill Gates and generous. But generosity is a condition of your heart and a way of, of living. So be generous. And here's the thing about generosity. You're only managing things that God has given you. Bottom line. Let me close with this, with this story. I have this picture of uh, two of my favorite things in the world. My daughter and a coffee cup. I love coffee. I feel that if you're not running, why are you not drinking coffee? That is the only bad time to have coffee. Is if you're doing this and you just can't hold it still. And so, um, so this is Addie. She's my oldest. She's, she's nine now. But whenever she was about four years old, my wife and her, they were in Barnes & Noble together. And Addie saw this Superman mug. This is one of these massive, you know, 24-ounce mugs, right? And Addie looks at this, and little as she is, and she goes, Mama, I've got to get that for Daddy. She knows I love Superman. She knows I love coffee. She goes, Mama, I've got to get that for Daddy. And Crystal's like, Honey... You know, not right now, maybe later. Mama, I've, I've got to get that for Daddy. He's going to love that. You know he wants that. He loves Superman, Mama. Get it for him. It's a coffee cup. I, I need to get this for Daddy. And so I hear this later whenever I get home, and there's this box with this massive Superman mug in it. And Addie is so incredibly proud to present me with the mug that, that I bought. <laughs> right? <laughs> I've got to get that for Daddy. Daddy got that for daddy in some ways. 
Honestly, though, do you think I had that thought at all? Or was I thrilled at her heart? Was I touched that my little girl knows her daddy's heart and wanted to bless him? That's all it was. You know, the scripture says God is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. So when Jesus says, be rich toward God, he is not saying that God needs our stuff. He's saying that we need our God. And we need to know that we need our God. And we need to know that we're here on this earth, not just for ourselves and our own selfish ambitions. You know, you will get to the end of your life and you will have what you have. But if you're not surrounded by a few friends that love you, and if you do not feel like you have fulfilled God's purpose for your life, you will have nothing but a big basket of regrets. And that's what Jesus says God said to this man. And now you fool This night your life is demanded of you, and the things that you have saved for yourself, whose will they be? Maybe they'll go to the government. Maybe your kids will fight over them. Tell my brother to give me the inheritance. So Jesus says, store up treasures in heaven. Be generous now. Don't be afraid to give. Don't be afraid to serve. In fact, close with Luke 12, 29 through 31. Don't keep striving for what you should eat and what you should drink, and don't be anxious. For the Gentile world eagerly seeks all these things, and your Father knows that you need him. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be provided for you. These are decisions you make now. Whether you come for money or you're trying to come up from the trailer park like I did. These are decisions we make now, and then we manage them in every stage of our life. Amen? Amen.